Welcome to CTO Think, a podcast about leadership, product development, and tech decisions between two recovering chief technology officers. Here are your hosts, Don Vandemark and Randy Burgess. Hey, Randy, what's going on this week? Let's see. Oh, I've uh, been working a lot with front-end development, and it seems like I always talk about, oh, wow, I made a breakthrough in testing on the front end, but... I did make a breakthrough on the front end testing again, this time getting front end tests with Cypress to go push through a code ship, uh, continuous integration thing, which has been just a pain in the butt because of a few bugs on code ship side. And the fact that I didn't really have experienced front end people with integration testing to, to lean on and I got it working. Um, took a lot of some extra time to do it, but I feel like w- when my team goes forward to build some new uh, front end things, we'll have some great examples to follow. And so I kind of it felt productive in that way. But that's pretty much what I've been doing the last week. What about you? Uh, not a ton. Um, we, that that's true and that's not true. Not a ton in the technology space, um, but we just got through having a Hurricane Dorian come by, mm-hmm. um, which generated a lot of work for construction specialties. You know, boarding up and 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 tearing down, um, and, and it actually might lead to an interesting discussion uh, at a future time. Hurricanes are funny things. They're they're almost never the same thing. And because of their unpredictable, they're it's they're not unpredictable in that they just show up all of a sudden, but they're unpredictable in that you can have a second change. Um, so we had to deal with the changing direction of Dorian over a holiday weekend at that. So it kind of it kind of made for some interesting um, organizational challenges. But we we got everybody covered, so it worked out in the end, and it ended up brushing anyway. So. A lot of the board up we did probably didn't need to be done, um, but the stores feel better when it gets done. So, oh yeah. Other than that, um, we uh, we're a couple of weeks into uh, college football season, and uh, and which is something you and I both enjoy, and 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 we 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 were we were chatting briefly about one specific. Uh, topic and we figured we'd try and tie it together here with with leadership in general um so currently as we sit uh two weeks of college football played in 2019 um we've got ucla and tennessee both sitting with two losses no wins um and florida sitting with a win and a loss but the win was in double overtime and they only won because of a missed extra point to a far inferior team as far as the talent goes that they can bring in. Um, and this is not new for any of those three teams. This is this is something that's been going on since last year, um, to some to varying degrees. Yeah, uh, all three of those schools are traditional powerhouses, you could say. Um, two of them have won national championships. I don't know that UCLA ever did, but UCLA is seen as one of the powers in the Pac-12 usually. 
Um, so I sent you a text. Well, no, no, no. You sent me a text, and it was talking about you weren't sure which dumpster fire of Tennessee or who was the other one? Florida State. Florida State, yeah. But, okay, so let's kick out the, the – we're not going to talk about specific sports ball right. football stuff. Because I think that the issue around all of these – has very little to do with the mechanics of football. If you look at all three situations, leadership, the failure of leadership for various reasons is what's happening. And I, so we can try to take these examples that we're going to discuss for these three schools and talk about how that would affect a technology. Yeah. Team. Yeah. So, so excellent to, to go ahead and, and, and make sure that we don't lose listeners who think we're going to talk football the whole, <laughs> the whole time. Yeah. So, so let's talk, but, let's talk about, let's talk about what I think is the easiest one. Um, and that that's UCLA. Yeah. Um, so there, what, what they've done there is they, they had a, a, number of coaches come through each of them fairly mediocre with mediocre results um and you had somebody come in who 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 was known as a very successful coach at a a decade ago um and what it feels like is it feels like Mm -hmm. he went in and said we're gonna do things my way i don't care who's here we're going to do things my way and we'll eventually turn this around. Um, and here we are, you know, a, a little ways into that. And and there are no signs of anything turning around and, and potentially getting worse because he's not working with the pieces he's got. And, and this is, we've talked about this in the past where um, as a leader, if you go in and, and, and you say, okay, we're going to starting today. We're going to build everything in React and Node. And what you have are a bunch of Java developers and a bunch of uh, C sharp developers. You, you you you're not you're not using the strengths you have. Um, is that the way you see that one? Uh, even I guess I even go more drastic with my feelings on that. Brian Kelly was a dominant force of a coach at Oregon. Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly, sorry, Chip Kelly. And he cheated. I don't know how much that cheating meant for everything that they did, but he got busted for cheating, or the school did, because he took off for the pros. Right. He went to Philadelphia. He had a reputation as an egomaniac there. He lasted two seasons. I think I it was think. longer. I'll look. But go he, ahead. Then he went and took a gig at San Francisco, and they fired him after one year, yeah. I think. And now he's at UCLA. And so I would pair I would I would tag this to like you said, one it's his way or the highway. He he looks. He's always looked at him at his past success as why 
his way and his system is what each place should adapt adapt to not that he needs to adapt to it to the scenario that he was given even though i don't think oregon from day one was his system he built that over time he seems to think that he can just do that overnight there are no over there's nothing overnight when you take over a program any type of scenario that needs to be rebuilt and changed so if your opinion is I have a really good approach to building products and software and you walk in and you don't have the ability to build a team from scratch. You need to look at the team as it exists, what they're used to, um, what tools they know how to use and look at how much runway you have to how much change can this group withstand um, and absorb. And it seems like each step he's made he's making bad choices and my assumption is that you can't talk to him you cannot you can't and this is totally an assumption but the people i've met in technology like him are the people that you give up trying to talk to trying to change their mind trying to say like they walk in the door it is their way the highway and it doesn't really matter what your experience is. And I think I, I did see this happen once with someone um, when I left the CTO role and I helped the company I left with onboarding the new person. I tried to give as many tips as I could to that person related to the politics of the organization. More of like, this is how you need to talk to this person this is how this is what this person is saying, but this is what they really tend to expect, that kind of stuff. And he just ignored it all. He just said, no, I, I don't really don't care about that kind of stuff. I'll just deal with it myself. And I'm like, oh, okay. And he was out in four months, if not less, probably three months. And politics was a part of it. Um, he couldn't talk to anybody. And it was just, right. there's other factors involved, but that that's what I see at the UCLA scenario. Um, so let me, let me, let me throw, let me throw the next scenario at you because I, I don't want to, I don't want to bias your input on it. Cause I think we see this one slightly differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's the scenario at Florida state. So what's your feeling on the scenario at Florida state? So Florida state was a powerhouse program over with over the last two decades i would say um my opinion they is that the boosters there this is going up higher up the ladder they have a culture at fsu where if you're a wealthy person fan and you give them a lot of money they they have started to like kind of let the boosters run things and interfere with the coaches and so Jimbo Fisher was the guy there the last, I don't know, seven years. Yeah, and I, fe- I feel like the boosters or the athletic director, basically, they all, he got tired of them. And so this is where, if I were to map this to a scenario in tech as a CTO, this is where the CEO is allowing 
the the marketing chief, um, maybe an investor, maybe a client, like a really important client, to interfere in the product development process. Right. And so I, when Fisher left the way he did to go to Texas A and M, I always looked at it based on what I read. Of course, I'm reading sports rumor crap, so it may not be right. But I got the idea that Fisher did not like the prying hands of boosters um, into his program. But what then happened is they went and hired a guy named Willie Taggart, who inherited the mess that Fisher left behind. And he's probably got pressure on un real pressure from him on those same by those same boosters who weren't kept in check. That's what I'm thinking, but I don't know Willie Tagger that well yeah. about his actual ability. So let so I I, I I liked your your comparison. I think it's very much a case where um, you've got a company run by multiple people uh, or heavily influenced by multiple people. Um and not all of them knowledgeable, not all of them right. Um, and what you in what you brought in as a leader is you brought in a younger, less experienced, high energy person without a lot of gravitas. So yeah. I, I think for that problem of, hey, we've got input from a variety of places and we're going to need to bring someone in who can, who can pull, get everybody pulling in the same direction. Um, Usually if you're talking about powerful, rich people, the way to do that is not to go in and be rah-rah and, and, and cheery and, and trying to, to be positive about you almost have to come in, lay, lay the law down. This is this, as far as managing up, I'm not talking about the managing down. You, you kind of have to lay the yeah. law down and say, hey, this is how this is going to run and we're going to go forward with it. And it just didn't feel like that happened there. They brought in somebody who doesn't have a great record of um, success at a, a major organization. Um, they had some, they brought in somebody who's had success in spurts. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it just feels like they needed somebody with a little bit more gravitas um, and that's not easy to find usually. Um, but I think when we get to Tennessee, we could almost argue that if the person hired at Tennessee had been hired at Florida state, it might've worked better, but we can, we can get into that as well. Um, but I, I agree. I think, I think the UCLA was a, my way or the highway situation. I think Florida state was a, too much influence from outside forces and and not the right person to to yeah. pull it all together situation um and and i think if as we get to the third one at tennessee tennessee was was a power in the 90s early 2000s um but they've struggled ever since they they've gone through quite a number of of head coaches um, yeah, and all of them have had midland success. Um, nobody's ever really been able to to bring the team back to where it was 
you know, challenging for titles. Um, they just had mediocre success the whole time. I, and what, what I feel there is, is I feel you've got a, a couple things going on there. You've got this, you've got a sick team right now, a, a, a sick organization, an organization that doesn't believe yeah. in itself. Um, that at the first sign of adversity is starting to crumble a bit. Um, and I, it, it, this is where the hire may have been the right one and they may be okay long-term, but it's just going to take a lot longer than anybody thought. Um, and this is where I, I was saying the, the hire Tennessee might've worked at Florida state as well, because what they did is they didn't go out and get somebody who had a lot of success at a big organization. They went out and got somebody, well, let me rephrase that. They didn't go get somebody who had, who was the leader at a organization that had a lot of success. They went and got somebody who was a Lieutenant yeah. at an organization that had a lot of success. Um, and that's one way to address a, a, a culture problem, you know, a, 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 a problem of th- there's no belief here. You go bring in somebody you can believe in and let him put, and this, this kind of goes opposite to what we were talking about UCLA. This is almost a case where you have to come in and say, we're doing it my way um, and, and make the pieces fit what you want to do because you're not trying to fix it today. You're trying to fix it in the future um, because it's been going downhill for so long. So does that comparison work as far as the way you read that situation? Yeah. I mean, Tennessee was the dominant program when I was in college. Peyton Manning was the, the coach like was the coach like player who was, awesome and then who was the quarterback right after him that took him martin. All the way? t martin they had and phil fulmer was a program coach he like he helped tennessee go from what was a mediocre program they weren't the worst in the conference but they were all they were also competitive and he took them to the next level and I've and so when you talk about a sick organization, I guess my opinion there it's like a company where the investing the investors in the company have an unreal expectation for what the reality should be for corporate growth and profitability. Sure. And so while we were mentioning boosters and stuff and at FSU, the investors. Uh, the the various influences. I think Tennessee is like a company that has hired poor leadership, has done mediocre recruiting and hiring, and has an expectation that despite doing the other two poorly, that the product is, should still be just like it was a decade ago. Yeah. And anyone that walks into that job right now, n- no one recognizes the mess that that person is assuming. Now, my opinion on Jeremy Pruitt has changed. He's a new coach now at Tennessee. 
because I've seen him operate at Georgia. I, he, we saw what he did at Alabama. And what I can, t- I guess the, where I would, if you're hiring a CTO or hiring a director of engineering, it's really important to find out based upon this person's prior success, what, how much were they in charge of? You talked about being a lieutenant. Because if you're successful at Alabama, it's because you work under an almost dictatorship of a coaching structure that is extremely successful in Nick Saban. And that's like if I were to go and work for a year at, let's say, uh, Twitter. (laughs) And I feel like if you walk into a system that already works, it doesn't mean that you know how to do it yourself. So I guess I feel like Tennessee has hired a number of, of people, a couple of people that were they they didn't exhibit the leadership that a a rebuild needed they hired Derek Dooley who had a history of a really popular father um but no real winning tradition of his own i hired Jeremy Pruitt recently and he had been a well-known coordinator who caused ripples amongst his he he was known as an instigator of divisiveness at georgia when he was there i'm not saying it wasn't justified that program kind of changed after he left but he was someone that had not proven he could coach a team anywhere like as a head coach right um and then the one hire that didn't work out that i was surprised was that was brian kelly or no no what was that Butch Jones. Butch, Butch Jones. Butch Jones. <laughs> I'm horrible with names. Butch Jones, which is purely, it was really a good coach name. But he had really big success at Cincy, Cincinnati. Yeah, that's correct. And he knew, he had every reason to succeed there. But when you saw him interview, you got the sense that, oh, wait, maybe his leadership plays better at a small scale. Yeah. So yeah. what I feel like Tennessee's biggest issues going forward are going to be, do, do they really understand the, what the cow, the whole shebang has to, the whole organization needs to change because I don't, I feel like every factor of Tennessee, like you said before is sick. There's there is a negativity there, a expectation level that can't be met for a good amount of time. I just don't see until at the very top they recognize the state of things. I don't see how they change it. And so if you talk about an organization that perhaps has a, a product that is maybe old and out of date. It needs constant upgrading and maintenance and they aren't able to launch new features at the very top. 
I think you have to have an agreement as to where things stand and what needs to be worked on first. Because yeah. I, I truly feel that that or like Tennessee represents, I think UCLA could come back to where they were before if they were to get rid of the ego, statistical leader, which is not to say they were a dominant program, but they were not a disaster like they look right now. I feel like FSU with the right coach could probably get back on top given their recruiting base and the other things. But Tennessee represents to me an organization that hasn't hired talented devs for a long time because they're being cheap or because they just let the competition beat them. And I feel like overall it's like the, every stakeholder of that company of that organization has a very warped idea of what the state of things are. Yeah. Yeah. I, I and, and this is probably a bad analogy, but I'm going to make it anyway. <laughs> to, to, to some degree, Tennessee feels a little bit like um, Windows, um, you know, Windows 2000 or, you know, early 2000s, Microsoft early 2000s. Yeah. Where, where, the 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 competition has passed them by and they're not willing to to see the new world as it is um they they had a run of success when when there was less competition um when when the competition for the recruits for, for the players was was lesser and when the competition within their field was lesser um but these days it's Tennessee's not a football hotbed. So it would be like trying to build a software company in say like Florida. Okay. It, it's not, Florida is not a place where you have a lot of developers. So you have to work real hard to, to find, to, to either do remote hires or to bring people in from out of state. We have some here in Florida, but we don't have a ton of, of really experienced. We, we don't have that, that um, base so to speak. And I think Tennessee's kind of the same way in that that they've got some talent, but the talent they have go off to other cities, so to speak, other teams. Um, and in the same respect, SEC football is today is not SEC football in the early 2000s. There are more teams that are competitive and there are some teams that are outright dominant. And yeah. Tennessee hasn't changed to that. So I think it, it, it fits all your points. And, and it just felt like Microsoft to a degree, ignoring the whole mobile um, movement for a while. So Tennessee is a Steve Ballmer of college that's, football. That's, yeah, that's, that, that's, <laughs> that's the way I'd put it. I mean, if, if you look at Ballmer's leadership failures, it was Hubris, like... Or Hubris, how who Hubris, um, like by far, nothing tops the you know ignoring the mobile phone revolution as it happened right in front of them, but and open source. I would say those are the two big things that yeah. um, 
that that Microsoft really stumbled on when the changes came, smacked them in the face. Tennessee, I think Tennessee um, as a program made big failures when, I mean, you could say firing Fulmer years ago was a big issue where they felt he, he could do better than him and they never did. But I'm not so sure, certain that he would have led them beyond what he got them to. Yeah, if they hadn't I've, fired him, it would have happened within the next three years anyway. Yeah. Because he, could, he but, wouldn't have been able to sustain the success. But the point you just made about the, the competitive landscape of college football has diversified, has changed just like startups have changed the tech scene. You can... It, it, like because of the influence of venture capital, more and more startups can steal engineers that otherwise would have been working at Microsoft, at IBM, at at uh, Google, and so in a way, you've seen a a talent spread that has been like no other in big in corporate America, and in college football. A lot of the Division Two programs and F is it FCS or yeah FCS yeah like those programs have a ton of venture capital in the form of boosters and moving up into a television market and being part of conferences that have more money and now th- those those schools are not hurting the the uh, recruiting of an Alabama. They're hurting the middle, the middleman. The right. and Tennessee was a middleman program. Georgia could have been, but they stay have stayed above it. Florida net was never going to be a middleman, but Tennessee is one step away from Kentucky, not from a state standpoint, but from a, a college program. So, I my my bigger point is. If you are a mid-sized tech company and you're trying to recruit good people and you're thinking, man, it's harder and harder to find good people at a low price point that I want to pay. The answer is, yeah, that's the way things are going. I can work remotely for companies in Chicago that will pay higher than what a company that I could drive down the street and work for will pay. So now you're saying I get paid more and I don't have to drive to an office every day. I mean, where am I going to go work? I want to work for the remote company out of a big city. Right. So the middlemen, Kansas City, the tech market here is a middle, like a middle mid-grade city in the tech scene, if, if not lower than that. And they are going to start losing more and more people who are willing that can find remote work out of a big city. And it's it's been there's been chatter about it amongst the community here, but I think over the next decade you're going to see it even more, as remote work becomes more prevalent, and the big city firms come in with budgets that are beating, kind of the middle class of tech cities. I just don't know if the tech cities are going to respond, if the middle class tech cities are going to respond in that way. But right. I feel like that's what's. In a football sense, I feel like that's what's happening to Tennessee is, hey, you're in the middle. Now you're getting eaten from below, not beaten from above necessarily. 
Well, you're you're getting beaten from above because you're not changing to the competitive landscape, and then you're getting beaten from below on talent. Um, so they're they're, yeah. they're kind of taking punches in both directions, and I'm not a hundred percent sure that's solvable to get them back to where they were. Um, they can have success in spurts, but I I just don't see anything sustained. Um, now you could, there could be some cosmetic changes that they could make that may work and get a new theme song. That Rocky Top stuff sucks. <laughs> Puke orange. Like go for a brighter shade. I mean, I know that's running into Florida to Gator territory. Okay, hey, 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 I'm getting we, off. We've got a I'm good, getting... we've got a good shade of orange. <laughs> they need to stay away. <laughs> I don't, I'm, I'm not talking tech anymore. Now I'm just getting personal because it's <laughs> Tennessee, but. Well, yeah, I mean, I think on all three of these scenarios, I've seen these disasters um, happen at tech companies. And it has a, it's always leadership. It's not from the bottom up. It is always top down. And so as a, when I've looked at CTO jobs, I looked at a bunch. Like the reason I, one of the reasons I'm not a CTO at the moment is because I would talk to companies that were looking for a CTO and I would see that the infrastructure was not there for success. Right. Like I could walk in and do everything perfectly, but there was, it was underfunded at a drastic degree compared to the goals. It was the expectations, usually because there's someone else was a CTO before that left and now, um, whoever was held, left holding the bag, usually the founder, had an expectation that this product was already where it should be. And I would look at it and go, oh, you have no idea how much more you need to do. And in unrealistic expectations about hiring. Like I would talk to people that would literally tell me, I, I really want to have one of those cool offices open, you know, like the open office la- like kind of layout for developers, um, I would say you're expecting me to hire people below the market rate and I'm going to force them to drive 45 minutes in to your office, your dream office. You're not like proximity is a big factor for you for, for a limiting my, where I can hire. And they're like, yes. <laughs> and I would, I would ask the question in a way that told them this is a problem you're going to have and they would still not get it. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, I'm not taking that gig. Yeah, for sure. And so the lesson, whether you're an assistant coach looking for your first head coaching hire, or you're a a director of engineering looking for your first CTO job, is don't chase a title, chase a program, chase an organization that can work with what you can bring. Yeah, chase a situation. Because... Because just because someone gives you a title doesn't mean you have any abilities to make changes there that that need to happen. Right. Um, I think if you were to look at Kirby Smart, who went to Georgia, he walked into a program that was ready to absorb what he, like to support the changes that need to happen and absorb his program and then he adjusted it to fit what the Georgia culture was, which he knew cause he went there, 
but it's not like Alabama there all the way. There's a lot of differences that he brought and he, and he admitted, I can't do everything that Saban did because the Georgia um, infrastructure is different than that, than what Alabama brings. And, you know, I feel that anyone moving into leadership positions needs to look at that whole picture because it's not just about you. That's the Chip Kelly problem. It's not all about you. It's about everybody that's working together and you move into that role. Right. And that's the, that's, what's really important is to know, to have a good grasp of that. Agreed. And, and I think, I think, I think that's a good, I think we've done a decent job of breaking down three leadership problems and, and how, how to avoid them um, in tech companies. And by the way, we got to talk a little bit of football. So I think we achieved all our goals today. Amazing. (laughs) I I, I, I hope we still have people that hate, that maybe don't care about sports ball, but can still say, oh, I understand. They didn't make it too technical. Like we didn't talk about spread offenses and crap like that. And bag minute Georgia and things like that. (laughs) Now, okay, this the show's over. It's, it's, it's getting personal now. <laughs> it's pretty personal. No. All right. Uh, bag, the bag man. Wait, I thought the bag man said Auburn. They were. Kirby brought the Kirby hired <laughs> you. All right. Ah, I get it. <laughs> All right. So we're uh, we're actually going to be in the same place for four days come this upcoming weekend. Um, maybe we'll get a, a, a yeah. episode or two recorded while we're together. And we'll try and keep it as as sports free as possible. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, we should have talked about we should have talked about this next like this next week. But oh well, it is what yeah. it is. All right, All right sounds man. good, and we'll see you in four days. Yep, later. Thanks for listening to the CTO Think podcast. Show notes and previous episodes can be found on our website at ctothink.com. Reviews on Apple iTunes are always appreciated and help promote the show. Patreon contributions help us to produce episode transcripts, which allow people that are deaf or hard of hearing to access the show. If you have feedback, ideas, or want to be a guest, please email us at hello at ctothink.com. Show music is Dumpster Dive by Mark Wallach, licensed by premiumbeat.com. Voiceover work by meganvoices.com. You'll hear from us next week. Thank you.